You're in for a treat this morning. We're putting a pause on the message series, You in Five Years. I'll pick that up next week. But um, in just a moment, I'm going to invite to the platform Dr. Colleen Durr, um, who is the 15th president of Eastern Nazarene College. Now, Eastern Nazarene College is our denominational college, and it's in Quincy, Massachusetts. And many of you, and I'm going to ask you to stay in just a moment, so hang on there. Many of you have attended Eastern Nazarene College. Many of you met your spouse at Eastern Nazarene College. Many of you have children or other relatives that have. And so our heart at Emmanuel Church is for Eastern Nazarene College. And so Dr. Durr and her husband, Wayne, right over here. Actually, Colleen Durr grew up in the Allentown area, and Wayne is from Bristol. So can we just say you came home? Is that okay? You came home today? And they were at our district prayer retreat this week, and so I just took the opportunity to say, hey, if you're going to be here in Pennsylvania for a couple days, would you mind just hanging out in our area for a while and coming and speaking at the church? And she said she'd be so happy to do so. Would you like to welcome Dr. Durr as she gives the word today? (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) Oh, good morning. It is wonderful to be back east. Wayne and I were called to the, the wilderness of Indiana for 30 years where they don't have, you know, it's, it's okay. Out there. Uh, but they're missing a few things that we all grow accustomed to out here, like trees, uh, water, <laughs> hills. There's just lots of corn, lots and lots of corn. <laughs> there are beautiful sunsets because there's nothing to get in the way. But, but other than that, it, is, it truly is wonderful. When presented with the opportunity uh, to go and serve at Eastern Nazarene, Wayne and I said, oh, we can get back east. We can get back home. Now, New England isn't home, but Pennsylvania is home. And, and you are close enough to New England that we are like, yes, yes. And so it is wonderful. It has been wonderful this weekend to be in Pennsylvania uh, again and to be among people who are our people. You, you talk, especially like Wayne. You talk like Wayne. For 30 years, he's been told he's had an accent. <laughs> Now we live outside of Boston. <laughs> talk about an accent. But uh, so you all talk like Wayne. You kind of look like us. And it is so good to be among you. We feel at home. So thank you for that already. And thank you for your support of Eastern Nazarene College uh, in lending us your pastor from time to time, the hours of commitment uh, that he invests in the school and in me personally. So thank you for that. Thank you for your prayers for us. You're giving and you're sending us and trusting us with your students. We are one of your campuses. You know, churches have multiple campuses from time to time. Pastor talked about church planting as a church. And we are one of your campuses. We are an extension of your ministry in Quincy, Massachusetts. And the Lord gives us an opportunity to share his love with a generation that I'm going to tell you, by and large, don't have any idea. Don't have any idea. And they come from all kinds of stuff. They think they're coming to play basketball or soccer or to study, you know, math or engineering. They think they're coming for that, and we know. We know. No. They're coming to hear about the name of Jesus. 
Amen? And so will you pray for us? Will you commit to pray for us? If some of you, 9 o'clock on a Thursday is probably pretty close to bedtime. It is for Wayne and I too, but we make an exception. And on Thursday night, would you just pause for a moment and pray for us? Because Thursday night at 9 o'clock is when our students gather for a special worship service every Thursday night. And we have had someone at the altar every Thursday this year. Last Thursday, Stretch, Ann's brother Stretch preached Thursday night, and five came to know the Lord. We've had baptisms on Thursday nights. We've had, I had the privilege to serve communion the first Thursday night of the semester. So will you pray for us and the Lord remind you on Thursday night, oh dear Lord, may your presence be so real on the campus of ENC, especially this evening. Will you pray for that for us? Thank you, thank you. Just privileged and honor. Uh, you know, I've spent most of my life as a children's pastor. That was my ministry calling most of my life. And I still am. <laughs> still am. Lord is good. Sharing with you from this morning from John chapter 10. It's a passage of scripture I know most of you are very, very familiar with. And reading from the NIV, John chapter 10, verses 1 to 5, and then 14. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Do you know where you're going? And do you have any idea how you're going to get there? I know my sheep. And my sheep know me. I think that in life there are two kinds of people when it comes to directions. There are the Waynes and there are the Colleens. Now you determine which camp you're in. Team Wayne or Team Colleen, okay? The Team Waynes are the kind of people who have an internal GPS system. They don't actually need a GPS. In fact, a GPS is just a tool to confirm what they already know instinctively, which is I know where I'm going and I know exactly how I'm going to get there. This weekend, we, you know, ran around. We've been here since Thursday evening. I had some Zoom meetings all day Friday and Saturday and stayed in a lovely hotel. Couldn't tell you where. <laughs> um, but stayed in a lovely hotel. But we would go out, you know, for meals. And last evening, Wayne plugged in where we were going. And the GPS at some point told him to turn left. And he didn't. 
And I look at him and I said, weren't you supposed to turn left? Well, yeah, you can get there that way, but you can get there this way too. Have you ever been there before? Well, no, but I know where I'm going. Anybody in Team Wayne that you just know? Look at you all. Well, bless your soul. I am so happy for you because I am not like that. I am the complete opposite. Not only do I not have an internal GPS, no idea if I'm facing north, south, east, or west at any given moment, including when I'm looking at the water. Do you know in Quincy, Massachusetts, we've got water, right? It's the Atlantic Ocean. So it should be east, but it's north. Weird, right? Those of you with an internal GPS that know exactly because you just pulled up a map of Massachusetts and you know where Quincy is and how it's actually facing the ocean. But it doesn't make sense to me. I never have any idea. In fact, I'll give you an example of me. My very first day at work, Eastern Nazarene College, we lived three streets away. Now, it's a pretty easy shot there, but there are one-way streets. So you can't get back the way you went, which is incredibly confusing. And I don't know why I decided to drive, because when you walk, you can get there back <laughs> the same way. <laughs> but not when you drive. And so needless to say, most days I walk. But when I drive, and that first day, I don't know why I decided to drive. Maybe I had something for the office. And I work all day, and I get in my car, and I'm leaving the parking lot, and I have the GPS going. And I start to go, and it doesn't make sense what the GPS is saying to me. I'm pretty confident the GPS is wrong. And I'm not really sure which way to go. I think I know which way my house is, but I'm not entirely sure. And there are two Elm Streets in Quincy, Massachusetts, and east and west. Now, that's not necessarily weird, except for two things. They run exactly parallel one another and they run north and south. I'm just saying, I don't know who designed that. But anyway, I started to head home and I was completely lost. I was on an elm, I'm not sure what elm, I was pretty sure it was the wrong one. And so I called Wayne and I said, can you find me on Find My Friends? That is a lifesaver for me, let me tell you, that app. And he said, yes, I see exactly where you are. Where do you think you're going? He said to me. <laughs> I said, well, I think I'm going home. And he was like, not that way. <laughs> And so he guided me how to get home, right? No idea. No idea. GPS, the most common word of my GPS is recalculating. <laughs> and she gets more annoyed the more she has to say it, doesn't it? Recalculating, she'll get to. And I got to tell you, I think in life, as in directions, there are people who seem to just have a clear understanding of where they're going and exactly how they're going to get there. In fact, they talk about this voice that leads them and guides them and directs them. And then there are people who don't have a clue. And people who say, I think I know where I'm going, but if there is a voice, I certainly never hear it. And in scripture, you heard the passage. In this passage, Jesus is talking to church people, good church people, who were pretty sure they thought they knew where they were going. And they should have known how to get there. They should have been able to hear the voice. 
but they couldn't. And so Jesus does what he does so beautifully over and over and over and over in scripture. And he uses a common thing for them, not too common for us, but a common thing for them to help them understand how you can hear that voice and not just know where you're going, but have that voice guiding you on how to get there. And it's the sheep and the shepherds, sheep and shepherds. Back in Jesus' day, it was a very common thing. And so they would have understood immediately. They would have been able to see it. We have to wrestle a little bit more to go there with that imagery this morning. But in verse 2, it gives us a glimpse of the shepherd. What are the actions of the shepherd? Our shepherd, Jesus. What are the actions of the shepherd? Says this, the man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. He comes to the front gate. He walks right up to the front door and seeks to enter. He doesn't come around the back. He doesn't crawl in a window. He isn't sneaky or underhanded, but completely in the open and up front. Now, a sheep pen back in the day, if you can create the image in your mind for me, was made of four walls of stacked rocks on top of each other, no roof on top of it, and just one of the walls had an opening, and the fancy ones had a wooden gate on that opening. But from time to time, the rocks would crumble, and a wall would start to fall down, and if it wasn't taken care of, it would create a way that a thief could come in. A thief that would never come in through the gate or the front where the watchman stood, but would come in another way. A thief that intended harm for the sheep. A thief that intended to hurt them and to steal from them. But the good shepherd comes in through the gate. And in our life, we know that we have people and things who are trying to crawl in through the window and every once in a while we let some of those walls crumble a little bit. And we hold on to these devices everywhere we go almost every minute of the day, this device in our hand, but it is filled with voices who are vying for your attention. And some of those voices are thieves and robbers. And they want to sneak in and sneak up on us. And before you know it, they're inside. And those are the voices clamoring, not Jesus. He comes in the front door and verse 3 says, the shepherd comes in through the front gate and he calls his sheep by name. He doesn't just yell a generic sheep call. Now I have no, no idea what that would be. Here, sheepy, sheepy, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know. What is a generic sheep call? And he doesn't even call them by a generic name. Like, come here, all Farmer Brown's sheep, right? Scripture said he calls them by their own name. Now, I don't know about you, but all sheep pretty much look alike to me. But the shepherd knows his sheep so well that he can differentiate them one from the other. And not only differentiate them one for, from the other, but he knows their particular name. And Jesus, our shepherd, the great shepherd, knows you. 
and he knows your name. He knows your life and he knows your dreams and he knows your goals. He knows your hurts and pains and your sorrow. He knows you. He knows your name. And there's incredible comfort in that. There's incredible comfort that this God of the universe, the creator God of all, is not a judgmental God. He's not a remote God. He doesn't sit up in heaven and say, good luck. No, he is our shepherd. And he knows our name. And he loves us. And he cares for us. And he wants the best for us. Repeatedly throughout scripture, we're told he knows you, he loves you. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out, verse four. And when he has brought out all of his own, he does what? He goes ahead of them. He goes ahead of them. Why does that matter? Well, there are a couple of ways to be led, aren't there? Have you ever been led from somebody behind you? It's not very fun. They forever are kicking you in the heel. Have you had uh, any parents in the room take your kids to the grocery store and they want to run the cart? And they run it right up the back of your leg, right? (laughs) Those people who want to lead from behind or that car. What is it about drivers? That, That car, you know, it's one thing they speed up behind you with those bright lights. They never turn them on, Tim. Those bright lights and they just stay there and you get over and you think, go on, pass me, pass me, right? Take the lead if you want to, but they get over with you. You're like, what are you doing? What are you doing? No, that's okay. You continue to take the lead. Then get off my back, right? Get off my back. But people want to lead from the back. Or this other image that comes to mind, which is a horse and a rider. And do you ever feel like you're being led like that with a whip and spurs? But not Jesus. Not the shepherd. He doesn't lead kicking from the back and he doesn't lead as a rider on a horse with a whip and spurs. That's not how the good shepherd leads his sheep or how Jesus leads us. He leads from the front and he goes ahead and he shows the way. If you've ever walked through a path and when Wayne and I lived in Pennsylvania, there would be time to time Uh, We would go up into the Appalachian Mountains. Now, I'm going to tell you, I am not a serious, you know, climber or anything heroic. But from time to time, we would go out into the mountains and walk along the paths. And some of them they would call a path. And it didn't really actually look like a path, right? You know what I'm saying? It's like, is it this way or is it that way? Now, it's not just my directions. It actually is that it's not very well marked. And sometimes in life, it feels like that too. But the good shepherd doesn't leave us on our own to figure it out. He goes ahead, showing the way, showing the twist and the currents and when you need to duck and when you need to step to the side. There is safety and security, friends, in following the shepherd's lead. You can trust where he'll take you. The shepherd, he comes to the front gate. He calls his sheep by name. 
and he leads from the front. So what are a sheep supposed to do? What is our role then? What is our response to that? Well, as the shepherd in scripture shows us, so do the sheep a little bit. But first, the watchman. What did it say about the watchman when the shepherd comes to the gate? The watchman opens the gate. You know very well the, the verse in Revelation 3.20. And what does it say? And you have seen the picture of this from time to time. Here I am. The Lord says, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with him and them with me. The shepherd, our good shepherd, standing at the door knocking. You know what's unique about that picture? There's no doorknob on the door. Because the good shepherd won't barge his way in. You see, it's called free will. He gives us the opportunity to open the door and to let him in. That's our response to the shepherd, to open the door and to let him in and his sheep follow him. You can't follow him if you haven't let him in. Have you let him in? I think I have. If you don't know, you haven't. And he's knocking. He's knocking. You, we let him in. You need to let him into your life and then you need to follow him. When he leads from the front, the sheep follow him. He doesn't have to push from behind or with a whip from on top. They willingly follow where the shepherd leads. Now, I'm told sheep aren't too bright. I don't know. Maybe there's somebody in this room who knows a whole lot more about sheep than I do. But supposedly they aren't too bright. In fact, I'm told that when they get like all excited, they go in this pack, this group. I don't know what you call a group of sheep. But anyway, they go in this group. Somebody will Google it and tell me afterward. They, uh, they go in a group and they will run right into a briar patch or right off the edge of the cliff. Right? That's what we're told. They're not too bright. They need a shepherd. Man, oh man, how many times are we like a sheep? <laughs> Running right into briar patches <laughs> and right off the edge of a cliff. But I gotta tell you, if you're gonna follow the shepherd, it requires giving up control. Giving up control and trusting him enough to lead you to safety and to security by saying, not only will I let you in, but I'm going to follow where you lead, even when it looks like a crazy plan. Even when I'm tempted to not listen to the GPS. <laughs> I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to follow your plan. And how do they follow? How do they know the one to get behind? Did you hear that in the text? How do they know it's all about his voice? all about his voice they know which one is the shepherd because they know his voice now think about that for a minute how do the sheep learn the shepherd's voice how do we learn the shepherd's voice you gotta spend time with him you gotta spend time with him and we do you have today 
what does spending time with the shepherd looks lo look like? It looks like worship with other believers, fellowship together in small groups with other believers, people who have already heard his voice. I look out across this room and I know that there are people who for generations, 10, 20, 30, 40 years have been listening to his voice and you know it well. And for those of us who are new to his voice and aren't quite sure what it sounds like and are trying to differentiate it, we need to be around you so you can help us hear his voice too. You ask, what is the gift you can give at this point in your life to the church? That's the gift you can give to the rising generation and to the new believers, an opportunity to hear his voice and to learn what it sounds like. When we read his word, we hear his voice through his word and in our time of prayer, alone with God. The shepherd comes to the front door and calls us by name. He wants to lead us down this path called life. Have you opened the door to him and let him in? Are you willing to follow wherever he leads, even to Quincy, Massachusetts? <laughs> and are you working diligently at knowing him so you can hear his voice? We have four children, Wayne and I, Jerrica, Zachary, Tyler, and Anna. I only have 10 minutes, so I'm not going to talk about all of them, oh, although I could, and I could really talk about the six grandbabies if you want me to. So catch me afterward. I'll be happy to go on and on and on about them. They are beautiful, and they don't live in my house, which makes it even more beautiful. I just come, and I bring gifts and sugar. <laughs> and let them do whatever they want, and then I go home after a couple of days. But one of our children, Zachary, he's our oldest boy. Zachary's 36. He has a birthday coming up. Uh, Wayne will tell you how old he is. Wayne remembers birthdays, anniversaries, as well as directions. It's why, you know, the Lord, grace right there. <laughs> That's the Lord's grace. Colleen is going to need a lot of help in life. I'm going to give her Wayne. <laughs> uh, but Zachary, uh, Zachary loves soccer. Now he's a dad with four children, but he loves soccer. Always has his whole life. Wayne was a soccer player and then a soccer coach. And so, so we had soccer balls everywhere and Wayne was coaching soccer teams and Zach was learning to walk. And so he learned to walk and dribble the ball at the same time. And we've got pictures of that sweet little boy. Oh, he was a cutie. That sweet little boy kicking a soccer ball around, and he can hardly walk. And he played soccer all the way up through, you know, rec and travel and club, and all through high school he played college soccer, then he coached college soccer at Asbury University, and now he lives in High Point, North Carolina, and he teaches at a Christian Academy, Wesley Academy, and he's a soccer coach and the Bible teacher. <laughs> and loves soccer. The other thing you need to know about Zachary is that he's hearing impaired. He was born with significant hearing deficiencies. And so he loves soccer, plays a lot of soccer, and Zachary wears hearing aids in order to differentiate sounds and voices. But when Zachary plays soccer, he can't wear the hearing aids. 
something about sweat and getting hit and all of those other things that he doesn't wear. And so the coach and his teammates had to learn how to accommodate for Zachary, who couldn't hear them. When he was on the field and he was playing the game, he couldn't hear what they were saying, so they had to come up with a different way to talk to him. And I loved going to the games. Wayne and I would go to the games together. And I would find that perfect spot. You know, if you've ever been to a soccer game, you know what the perfect spot is, right around the 50-yard line and about halfway up the stands. And I had my cushion for my seat, and I was well prepared. And I would spend the entire game screaming. I was that soccer mom. I would scream, go, Zach, go! Pass it to Zach, get it to Zach, Zach's open! And I hate to admit it, especially with one of my board members in the room. I hate to admit it, but I would really yell at those refs. <sighs> Are you blind? I would yell at the refs. Now, Wayne would come to the games too, as I said, but for whatever reason, he chose not to sit next to me. <laughs> Grace and wisdom abound in that man. <laughs> Instead, Wayne would sit at the end goal, down at the end. And he wouldn't sit, he would stand and pace a little bit. And Wayne wouldn't yell to Zach, at Zach. <laughs> Wayne would just talk to Zach. And he would say things like, carry it, carry it, carry it. Switch the field. Pass off. Coming up behind. He would just talk. And then we would get in the van on the ride home and I would say, Zach, did you hear me when you had that assist? Did you hear me? Oh, thanks, Mom, for cheering. No, I didn't really hear you. <laughs> and then he would say, but man, thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad, for telling me to switch the field. What? Are you kidding me? I lost my voice screaming my lungs out and you had no idea what I was saying? You didn't hear me at all? And he just stood there at the very end talking. How on earth did that happen? And Zach said, I don't know, Mom. <laughs> right away on the defensive. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But there's something, mom, about it. When I get in the middle of the game and there's so much noise and confusion because without my hearing aids, it just is pounding sound on my ears. And I get confused and I'm not sure what I should do. I just pause in my mind and I listen. I listen and I can hear it. I can hear dad's voice. And then I know what to do. <sighs> Friends, our lives are filled with so much chaos and so many voices vying for our attention. Some we unwillingly let in <laughs> and some we let over the wall. And there are times it's so hard to hear the voice of the one who knows you. 
and loves you and wants to lead you down the best path of your life. You say, how did Zach do that? Well, Zach spent a whole lot of time with his dad playing soccer in the backyard, watching soccer on TV, talking about soccer in the minivan. Hours and hours and hours. Zach dedicated and Wayne dedicated to spending time together. Learning his father's voice. Oh, friends, the shepherd loves us. And he wants to spend time with us and lead us well. But we need to commit to spending time with him and learning his voice. So I ask you this morning, do you have any idea where you're going? And do you know how you're going to get there? The good news is there's a shepherd and he loves you. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you know us, that you love us, that you want to lead us. And if we will learn it, your voice will guide us through this beautiful gift called life. 